Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend, John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. Are we on Clubhouse here? Now, too? I got, the, I got you on Clubhouse. I got yes, and we're recording. So just anybody that's listening on Clubhouse, which we don't have anybody in there yet, but anybody that jumps in, uh, they will have to be notified that they're being recorded. Yeah, this is my first time doing this on, on Clubhouse here. So I don't know if you know we'll actually get anybody on there or or whatever but i wanted to throw that opportunity out to everybody the last time i said this is my first time i was 16 years old <laughs> tmi <laughs> tmi um. there's no such thing in my world <laughs> you're like i know i know there's no such thing as tmi that's why i have you on every time i have you on you always say something that's too much which makes it worth listening to <laughs> and as we go back we'll go and uh, bleep things i'm sure what are the rules here are we allowed to say who you work for and stuff like that or no. do we, still, we still keep that a secret we keep that a secret yep we know that we know that you are personally a professional mascot, though, right? That is it. That is it. You are currently a professional mascot on planet Earth. What about? Do we know that if it's in the United States, in other the, than your in the United States, American? in the NBA? Oh boy, this is like twenty questions. We can narrow it down. <laughs> National Basketball Association mascot. In the uh, in America, in the United States. So, hope oh, you're not the Raptor. <laughs> That's nope. the only other team. Could have used to be the Grizzlies, but nope, they're gone. No, nope, that dwindled in, uh, the options down even more. Oh my gosh! I, yeah. Whew. Think about all the people that could just figure it out by googling your name. <laughs> no. Tell Google. Tell Google to, to undo it. <laughs> oh, this is, and this is plausible deniability right here. Yes. Okay, that's right. You didn't do it. You don't control Google, so. North, North that's Facebook. Right. So. Hey, Daddy's doing a podcast right now. Here, here, hold on. Don't, here, here's my daughter. You get to see her uh, in the podcast. Remember, Daddy said he's doing the podcast? And you're supposed to be in, watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, right? Go ahead, put your glasses on, show the podcast real quick. Ah, that's just one eyebrow broken. Put them on. Okay, Groucho Marks. She's a little Groucho Marks. Everybody get back in there. Sorry, that's what it looks like these days for me, Ken. I am a, a single dad, exactly half the week of two sets of twins, identical twins, Jack and Luke, who are 12 years old, virtual schooling in sixth grade and four-and-a-half-year-old Brooklyn and Bailey fraternal twins who, um, man, 
Try working. <laughs> three jobs right now as I've pivoted completely away from the event business and sports business in this pandemic. But uh, two full days a week, I work at home with all four kids. Wow. That's amazing. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. And you and I actually have been through some similar situations as far as divorce goes, raising kids goes, and try to juggle yeah. everything and uh, still being at the top of our game, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you're at the top of your game. I mean, divorce with kids. Yeah, it's awesome. I'd highly recommend it to anybody <laughs> out there in life that really wants to know how bad life can feel just so you can feel how good it really is and appreciate it when it's better again. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody yeah. told me at the time, hey, it's temporary. It No, it was well, whatever. I'll it, tell you one thing that's not temporary about divorce with kids, especially when you do it twice like me. If you hate money, do what I've done. <laughs> if you just hate money, get divorced twice with kids with twins each time. And then you won't have any, so you, you won't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, no worries. That All your dreams will come true if you if that's the way it is. Yeah. If you like money, like I do, you're going to be working until 20 years after you're dead to pay for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And if you really want to, you know, just really twist the knife a little bit, you could go through and do the math on how much you've already spent. This is true. Don't, Two divorces. Don't. No, don't. Three, Stop right three there. Three rounds of in vitro fertilization <laughs> to have the children. Um, I can't believe I have any money in my back pocket right now. And if I look at this last year, in the last 12-month rolling year, so what? March 1, 2020 to March 1, 2021, I think I've had like 15 jobs. <laughs> I mean, some of them are clients and they were limited time projects. But man, I have done everything from bartend twice a week at uh, my old watering hole, Keneally's Irish Pub, online public speaking, visiting all the firehouses in town for nectar juice bars, doing a in industrial film for uh, ExxonMobil, a couple Newton gigs, my, the mascot I created, both in-person social distance and virtually. I just did two school shows virtually online from my home studio. Uh, mascot you as the director and one of the headline speakers um hold on i'm forgetting something before i get to the major one. Oh, working for push play which is an app that gives away free money every week where all you do is stare at your phone and hit the button when it lights up uh so advertisers it's an advertiser's dream because people just stare at the phone they it's free to download free to play and boom when you hit it boom you won five thousand uh, dollars as one of the the people playing in all 50 states uh there's some other stuff but then i'm selling mineral rights so right there i've done all of those jobs my my latest and biggest and what i do most of the time is i'm a cmo for spear minerals uh where i sell real subsurface uh property it's real estate it's real property uh that we is leased out to the oil companies uh that they drill on so uh i don't know i think that was at least 10 jobs off the top of my head 
a lot of people have had to pivot, like you said, during this time. And look at you, man, you're, you're juking. Yeah, up. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're down Iverson. I'm back, I'm moving <laughs> back and forth. That's right. I'm, I'm hoping not to pivot for a while, uh, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a good gig, though, that you got going on now. You know, uh, the spear mineral stuff is. If you asked me what I knew about the energy, uh, you know, oil and gas and energy business back in October, I would have said, uh, I know where to pump my gas. <laughs> <laughs> and I know how to turn on my stove. And I know that oil is made, uh, is, is, or gasoline is made from oil. Uh, I have learned so much. It's been fascinating. Um, you know, I learned what horizontal drilling is. And some people out there listening to this might think it, it's simple or like, duh, you didn't know this. But it's amazing to me that we can go a mile and a half straight down into the earth with a drill bit, make a right turn, go three miles, and then with some fracking, which despite what some people might have heard, does not hurt the earth but with water and sand, frack, and then get oil 300 feet from each side of the drill bit, 20 feet up, 20 feet down, and all of that comes out of one hole in the ground. So an aerial view is a three mile long rectangle by 600 feet wide, and it's a mile and a half below the earth, and it's all coming out of one hole in the ground. And that blew my mind. I just learned that in October, yeah, and then everything that goes along with it, you know, from a financial instrument, you know, uh, side of things that it's real property um, that, you know, people usually hold on to it for generation after generation. Uh, there's a 15% tax depletion and uh, that it's a, a very profitable, predictable, um, stable uh, ownership in land. It's a passive uh, land ownership. It's not like owning an apartment complex where you have to pay, you know, a handyman to fix that or that or replace the carpets when a tenant moves out or you have 10%, uh, you know, uh, vacancy. It's land that's all leased up, actively producing oil. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we're always going to need oil. You know, I, I didn't, you know, and you, you, you know, you learn facts. I feel like Cliff Clavin now from, uh, you know, Cheers. Uh, you know, I thought, oh, well, what happens when they suck all the oil out of the ground? They never get to suck all the oil out of the ground. The most that they've ever gotten out of existing technology out of a shale play is 40 to 50%. Uh, so that means 50% of the original oil in place is still sitting in the ground. And to get 40 to 50% out, that takes 30, 40 years. So, you know, what's the technology going to be like then? And it takes, you know, it's going to take a hundred more years to get it all out of the ground. 70% um, of a barrel of oil is not used to make gasoline. That blew my mind. Only 30% of a, of, a of a barrel of oil is used to make gasoline. The other 70% is used to make uh, polymers, uh, you know, uh, rubbers, um, uh, plastics and jet fuel. Uh, and also in manufacturing, it what keeps the motors running that, you know, works in all the factories. Um, so who thought tuning in to two uh, mascots talking that this is what we'd be, or I'd be talking about <laughs> so much. So there's know, life after. 
there's life after <laughs> there's life after oh, masking so yeah i mean you know just, i can get excited about anything as long as i set my mind to it and make a decision that i can get passionate about it well yeah that's what i've always loved about you i mean honestly okay so backing up just a little bit robert if anybody doesn't know uh used to be the mascot for the houston rockets yes sir and, yes clutch and uh it was awesome at it brought so much energy and so many oh man innovations and uh cutting edge stuff cutting edge uh, comedy and was always trying new stuff like you said pivoting always pivoting to something else something new and pushing the, the those boundaries and lines and all that stuff and you know uh so were you asking, kenny i mean there was a couple of us in yeah. my mind that you know the biggest thing about the nba is you had 41 nights we had the biggest opportunity in mascotting right and, and I was always, it's the biggest stage best stage the biggest stage and i was always a proponent of reminding people that when they said oh these guys in the nba are the best or whatever and it's like hold on hold on that's not 100% about the performer. That's the opportunity these individuals were given in that they have a, a intimate enough setting. It's 18,000 people in the round. Uh, and it's not something like 70,000 people where, geez, that's so big. You know, football, you know, back of stage to center field is 30 seconds. And then off is 30 seconds. Well, if you have a two-minute timeout or quarter break <laughs> after your time is loading on and off the field. And, you know, that's not that exciting. So, right. you know, there's limitations there. Same in baseball with the size and where's the focal point. Is it home plate? Is it the pitcher's mound? Is it the dugout? What is it? Uh, hockey, you have the boards as a, a barrier and you have the ice surface and not that many breaks in play. The NBA, we had it perfectly, right? We had this hard surface. You know, you stand at, at center court, you're within view of the worst seat in the house very easily. So you have immediate attention. You have a jumbotron. Uh, sorry, I'm using an outdated term. A, a big uh, screen right above you. You have the, the, the MC, uh, usually a, a PA, uh, the music. Uh, you're only about five seconds in my case right now at 46 post career 10 seconds from back of stage to midcourt <laughs> you're still in tip-top physical form five <laughs> seconds um and and you could do these saturday night live caliber sketches and skits both live and pre-recorded video skits where the advantage was to us it's just then what'd you do with it and you know there's probably five guys or so i think in the nba that maximized that situation and opportunity. You obviously being one of them, um, you know. And then we also had the advantage of, because we had that much inventory, we had 41 games. It's not like football where you only have eight or 10. We had 41 nights and a lot of them are season ticket holders. You can't do the same crap night after night because they've seen it all. Yeah. So you got to change it up. And then that's why we all started with networking in the late nineties and trading ideas because we realized, hey, the guy that was in Utah wasn't in competition with me in Houston, you know, because we were right. kind of basically, you know, not on the national stage, we we're on the local stage. The national stage only came into it a little bit with social media, but 
that's not what pays the bills for adding value to the season ticket holder and the, the live experience. So then we started sharing all these ideas and it was like having, I always think of Saturday Night Live because that was kind of my dream, but it was like having a room full of 30 writers <laughs> doing their own little thing and then cross-pollinating ideas. And, uh, you know, I think four or five of us really did it at a, at a pretty high level. Well, yeah. And when you talk about us coordinating with you know, or, or collaborating with other mascots and everything, I remember back in a back hallway one time, uh, the president of my country, the uh, country, the president. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. Seriously. Hey, this stuff can take over your life where it's not, it's an obsession. It feels like a country. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> sure does. Yeah. So the president of our company, uh, he's walking by in the back hallway and I was, taking a break from practicing dunking and I was worn out because I was getting ready for an all-star game. Now we were, you know, Absy just posted something uh, about an all-star game where when we used to go and have these dunk contests and everything. And, you know, it was crazy because back then so much at uh, all, the all-star game was focused on the mascots. So there's a lot of pressure. We were, we were had, we had a whole dunk contest and uh, anyways, Tim Lywicki, he's walking by and he's like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing very well. What's the matter? He's like, you know, <laughs> what's wrong? I go, hey, man, how do you expect me to do this stuff with this big old head? And I can't see. I can't see the trampoline. I'm expected to do this big old dunk. At, I, I was all, pan you know, kind of out of breath yeah. and panicked and sore and everything. And he goes, hey, 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 hey. Look, all you got to worry about is who's in our building. I don't care who's out there. I don't care about All-Star. Yeah. This is who pays your mortgage. You worry about this. Whatever happens there, happens there. But, uh, man, just do your best. I don't care about the rest. I was like, oh, thank you. That's yeah. what I, you know, that's what I need. That's what I needed right then. Yeah. He was a wise man. Yeah, well, so much of this job is not just what we do, but it's who we are. It's our identity um, and it's our baby. Um, and we take it so personally and people that have never done it don't understand it. And I'm sure all of us that have done it at a high level for uh, a decent amount of time, a long amount of time have been told countless times, oh, don't take it so personally. And it's like, yeah, until you walk in my shoes, you know, there's no way to be really good at this and not take it personally. And I don't know anybody in the business that doesn't. Yeah. Uh, that, that same guy, that same guy, another season it was at the end of a game and I was exhausted and I was in the hallway. It was after a game and uh, I was waiting for somebody in the hallway or whatever. And he walked by and he's like, what's the matter? Cause he could tell I was stressed and kind of upset a little bit. And uh, <laughs> this was early on in my career. So you know, I was still very sensitive and very, everything was very personal. And he goes, what's wrong with you? I go, and I kind of got choked up and I was like, ah, oh man, I, look, I'm just upset at something somebody said tonight. Somebody was like in my face. Somebody saying, asked you to do something in that second. What's that? Was this one where somebody asked you to do an appearance with like no uh, notice or is this a different story? No, different story. It was just after okay. a game and I was all upset and everything. And I'd taken some, you know, I would take, I had taken something personal during the yeah. game. Somebody said to me, so a fan, 
Yeah. And, and it was just like, you know, in your face, you suck, man, you suck. And uh, one of those just really berating comments. And uh, he's like, are you serious? You upset about that? I was tired. I was, you know, I kind of spent yeah. all, everything and, and I was, you know, exhausted and everything. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, don't take it personal, man. That guy sucks. <laughs> and he walks yeah. off. I'm like, you don't understand, man. <laughs> oh, man. Easier said than done. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, just how personally we take this stuff. And, and I'm not arguing against taking it personally. I think that that's directly tied to uh, the passion one puts into it and um, how well they do and how well they succeed in it. You know, most artists are uh, to a degree obsessed with their work. Uh, and I think, you know, we're artists, performance artists. But uh, do you remember the One Mascot Conference? And in retrospect, I chuckle at it, but I'm also um, ashamed and embarrassed a little bit about it um, because uh, I, it was inappropriate. Um, you know, it, it's hard to be the guy at the front of the room. And do you remember the one year in Salt Lake City, uh, Chad from the Timberwolves, the game operations director, yeah. was up there presenting. And, you know, God bless him. He was a mascot supporter. If anybody was pro mascot as a game ops director, it was Chad. But he was up there and he was the topic that he had chose to pick was pretty gutsy, uh, considering who the, who's the audience. And it was basically that we all need backups, you know, and he was talking about how we all <laughs> need fail, fail safes for situations where if we can't perform our duties, whether we get sick or whether we get in a car accident or if somebody in our family dies or if somebody's getting married that you know the, the guy the the pa announcer needs a backup the the guy that calls the game that was his role needs a backup and listen i haven't met a mascot yet <laughs> that wants anybody as a backup right it's it's to, to us since you don't see our face and you don't have our name associated with the character uh but even more importantly it, it we look at it as a you know a derivation of ourselves and as an extension of ourselves and that's our baby you know and it's our craft and the way we do it we don't want anybody ruining it or doing it differently and also we're a little insecure in that we don't want to feel like oh nobody can tell the big enough difference uh, they're replaceable and you know we don't need to be paying them this much let's just bring in somebody younger for a fifth of the money uh, or in my case a sixth of the money oh did somebody say that um <laughs> but you know so nobody wants to hear that and we're all just letting them go on and then i lost my temper and snapped i don't know were you there do you remember this i i don't remember the snap part i remember the talk part but i remember that it got heated and everybody's like and I, wait is he say is he saying that that's well, I was the oh. one, you know, because I saw rooms, eyes in the room looking at me. And usually if somebody was going to be aggressive or bold, that was my nickname since high school, uh, it was going to be me. And I said, I raised my hand and I said, infamously, I said, and I'll change the words uh, and <laughs> Thank not you. use the F word here. But I said, listen, Chad. You're not screwing my wife and you're not getting in my costume. 
<laughs> I would rather you screw my wife before you got in my costume. <laughs> and you're not doing either. <laughs> and the whole oh, I forgot that. I don't know. Fell out laughing. Uh, and I can chuckle, but man, I just, I want to apologize to Chad. And I've tried, uh, I have over the years personally. Uh, that was an inappropriate way to express it because when you're the guy at the front of the room uh, presenting, it's tough to be in front of 30, 40 guys, especially that are <laughs> like us, as discerning as us about the craft. Um, but yeah, we take it super personally. And it's, oh. it's yeah, it's, it's not just what we, we do for money uh, or a job, it's who we are. And to a large extent, always will be, yeah. right? You know, oh, yeah. you're always going to be known as that, whether you stop or not. Now, if you do it one or two years, probably not. But, you know, guys like us that have done it over 20 years, you know, this is going to be part of our identity till the day we die. Yeah, it really is. And it, it's, it's going to be hard to separate the two when, you know, for myself anyways, when I'm out, you know, out the door yeah. and, and all that. But um, so, hey, I got to ask you, do you let's let's get into some stories here real quick. Is, is the interviewee allowed to ask the interviewer a question? Yeah. What's your favorite moment of your career? If you had to pick one single moment, do you have one that stands out at least a little bit above all the rest? Uh, a tour you did, a celebrity you did a skit with, an individual skit on a random night, uh, an appearance, anything. You know, I've got, I know. I've got that question asked so many, so many times. Um, traveled all over the world. I mean, some of my favorite places were, were Australia. I got to travel Australia with uh, a good group of guys and um, had a ball out there. And then I got to bring my brother and stuff. I mean, that was way back. I, uh, gosh, so many good, good trips. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's been a couple involving, well, one involving uh, Children's Hospital, which I've, yeah. I've spoke about on here before, but, you know, seeing a, a little girl come out of a coma while I'm there and while her mom is, oh, you know, telling her that, you know, my character's there and saying my name and that, you know, that, you know, he's holding your hand right now. And because I was, I was holding her hand and, and everything. And, and uh, you know, here I've got a, a mom right across from me that's, you know, she looks like she's just been through hell. She had been in a coma for a few days, I guess. And um, all of a sudden, you know, she opened her eyes and looked at me. Kenny, that's un unreal. I mean, tears running on my face. And you know how, you know how I mean, that's uh, gotta be it right there. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you compare with that? I mean, that's that's huge. She 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 looked, I could tell she was looking at me. She didn't change her, her she didn't really smile, but you could tell she was smiling, if that makes sense. You know, it was yeah. you know, the 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 her whole countenance changed all of a sudden. She looked at me and I could tell she was she was smiling on the inside and I, oh, oh gosh, that's not really magic. Then I don't know what is. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, my oh. face was, was covered in tears. Uh, no one could tell that, but you I know, all of a sudden, out of body. Oh yeah. Nurses are rushing in and all of a sudden I'm kind of, you know, fading off to the back. And, uh, I stood there for a minute and I said, you know, just soak that in, soak this in. And, uh, and then I left. You know, one of the things that I've been always known for, I feel like at least, 
outwardly looking in from other people around the league is kind of one of the, the business guys in addition to skits and performing, but I've always, you know, figured out how to market and sell monetize. You know, if I were there in that situation and I was a doctor or a hospital administrator, I would have grabbed your character by the wrist and said, Hey, come down here. We got somebody else in a coma in this room. After that, we're going to this room. <laughs> I would have said, uh, you'll be back tomorrow. Thanks. You are our coma breaker. <laughs> and- do you mind if we film this? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, come to this hospital. <laughs> We've got this magical character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my uh, it, it's it's a similar medical moment, and uh, I just saw my wrist come up into here, and uh, I've got four of these green wristbands on right now. I usually wear anywhere between uh, five and 10 a day every morning that I leave the house since 2012. And I've given uh, uh, 5,000 of these out now. Um, And it always gets people's attention because they say, what's this guy wearing 10 of the same green wristband? And that's let them start the conversation. I pull one off and I say, I tell you the story. If you let me give you one and Nobody's ever said no. I slip it under their wrist. And it's the story of organ donation and how to save lives by being an organ donor. Um, And it gives me the opportunity to tell them the 30 second story of my family's experience with organ donation. Uh, My subsequent, uh, you know, service on the board of life gift and the Todd Krampitz foundation. And uh, I get to speak on behalf of the Todd Krampitz foundation uh, who has one mission, and that's to get everybody to say yes to organ donation. In 2012, my dad got a double lung transplant that saved his life um, from his donor. Uh, unfortunately and tragically, the young man passed, Ian Heideman, at 22 uh, years old. But three years prior, at 19, he made the uh, self decision. Uh, the selfless decision uh, and the forward thinking decision to register himself as an organ donor should the unthinkable happen. And unfortunately it did. He passed away in a crash car, in a car crash um, on Valentine's day night, 2012. Uh, But due to the decision he made, he saved five lives. And um, where this relates to clutch is, uh, you know, after a year cooling off period and grieving period, life gift allows you to reconnect through as with them as the intermediary you can write the the donor family a letter thanking them for the gifts and then if the donor family is uh you know amenable to it you can meet well we met at life gift but on a separate second occasion as a surprise uh i had the donor family rob and janice heideman the parents of Ian into a Rockets game. And they thought they were just going to sit in two seats in the stands on a Saturday night. And they were coming in because that next morning I was running the Houston half marathon in full costume as clutch to support organ donation awareness and did a bunch of interviews with them out of costume and wore a t-shirt and headband that, you know, said donate life, sign up in 60 seconds to save a life. 
And uh, they came into the suite and what they didn't know was it was a suite, first of all. And there were all the people that received their son's oh organs that saved their lives. So it's a huge emotional moment, you know. Um, and then at the second time out of the second quarter, um, the I came in in costume and I gathered everybody together. I got in to stand in front of the, the rail at the bottom of the suite. Didn't tell him anything. And uh, when the timeout started, our announcer, John Paul Stevenson, started reading this script that I had written just hours beforehand, even crying over my keyboard. And uh, he said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rob and Janice Heidemann to the Toyota Center. Uh, two years ago, Rob and Janice lost their son, Ian, in a tragic car accident. But due to his selfless forward thinking, he designated himself as an organ donor and saved five lives. And with that, a huge thunderous round of applause. But what the audience didn't know is the camera was tight in on just Rob and Janice. And then it starts to pan out. And they say, joining Rob and Janice tonight are Ian's uh, pancreas and kidney recipient, Rachel Brownhill. Oh, my gosh. Ian's heart recipient, Reggie King. And Ian's double lung recipient, Paul Bodwin, who is Clutch's dad. And when it panned out all the way, the last at the end, it's me in costume as Clutch with my arm wrapped around my dad, hugging him, crying. We're both crying. And I'm saying at the top of my lungs through the costume, I love you, dad. And the whole place gave us a standing ovation. Um, single best moment of my career in 21 years. Uh, if there's a reason I got to do this, it was that. Mm. Life Gifts, all their websites spiked 43% in January, which was unheard of numbers. Um, we raised $100,000 for the cause over the course of four years, but 15000 in that one marathon alone. Um, and all I got for weeks uh, was an inbox flooded, whether it was email or Facebook or text. Clutch? I love you, but gosh darn it, you made me cry last night. <laughs> but it was a standing ovation. I mean, our CEO came to me and said, hey, man, I even saw our owner get up and stand and applaud. And I haven't seen him get up out of his seat to applaud for anything ever. <laughs> so uh, it was That's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and I would just encourage any of your listeners uh, to go out and register to be an organ donor. It takes 60 seconds. You go to donatelifeamerica.org uh, and, you know, you just put in your information and, uh, you know, one day you might save a life or eight uh, and one day that life might be yours. That's that's awesome. I, I'm an organ, organ donor. I'm, I'm I love there. it. Look, so, hey, yeah. by the way, once I give out all of the bands and they're all gone, I got one green one tattooed beneath it. It says donate life. And it has my dad's initials and Ian's initials on the bottom side. So that That's... Now, I still got the tattoo there. One of 135 tattoos. Not that I, I was, have a, a problem. <laughs> I was trying to remember how many tattoos you, I was trying to tell somebody the other day, how many uh, tattoos you have. And then some of the clever ones that you've got. Uh, clever is um, a, a nice word. I, <laughs> stupid. Hey, I mean, so, how many people have a kick me sign on the middle of their back or a chip on their shoulder or a tattoo right here 
that says 2020 sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to forget this year. And by the way, this one was gotten 10 years beforehand. It says, I regret this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The body and life is meant to be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Uh, you know, <laughs> see, I, I want to also pump your public speaking because obviously Robert can speak here. If you want him for a speaking engagement, he's awesome at it. I'm telling you, uh, I, this is a stretch for me doing a podcast because I don't speak well. I found the perfect profession for me where I got paid not to speak. So, but luckily Robert had uh, has both of those talents, performance and speaking. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I bottled it all up. I came out of the womb talking, saying, yo, mom, that took long enough. You know, <laughs> and then they put me in this costume and I had to shut up for 21 years. So, uh, yeah, uh, I've had some pretty, uh, some pretty uh, notable ones. Fun. Did a TEDx talk that was fun. Uh, spoke to the NCAA. Got a, a couple others out there, the National Society for Leadership and Success. So they actually got the wrong speaker for that. Um, I, I'm actually speaking to Mensa coming up in August of 21 at their annual conference. They <laughs> shot me an email asking me to speak. And uh, the first two, two paragraphs of the email explained who Mensa was, that it was the top 98th percentile of IQs. And I'm immediately thinking, and I'll tell you the truth, I'm sitting on the toilet while I'm reading this, and I'm like, do you really want somebody speaking to you if you have to explain to them who Mensa is? <laughs> so I was like, I know who Mensa is. I've known that since I was a kid. I haven't ever been in it. It was with all my friends rubbed in my face that I never would be. Uh, you know, Pat Honeycutt and Chris Hoffman that were like smarty smarts. Uh, so I immediately emailed back, um, you know, I generally only speak to the top 99th percentile of IQs, but I guess I'll make an exception. I got an email back. I couldn't even get off the toilet before I got an email back. And it was, that's why we want you. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and, and it's a paid gig. It's not even like one of these, the privilege of speaking for. It's a paid gig. So yeah, please. Thank you for bringing that up, uh, Kenny. RobertBodwin.com for all of my uh, kind of speaking gigs, opportunities and stuff like that. That's awesome. <laughs> I got to feed my 38 kids somehow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any way you can, man. And you'll yeah. find it. Hey, so can we bring on Drake? On, hey, Drake. so yeah. Is he in? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear him now in Clubhouse. Yeah. yeah hey Clubhouse. Drake. What's up? How Go you on. been, man? Good, good. Just been listening this whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, <it's> good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's entertaining. I love it. Well, your dad's a lot more entertaining than me. He still's uh, got it. Are we, are we allowed to talk about you know, like I don't know like what the rules are. Are we allowed to talk uh, you know, about how just, 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 just
Just keep Curry, out without, the without the names without out. Two names. Just keep so the names out. Yeah, keep the names out. But you got two generations of NBA mascots on this call, right? Yeah. So, so, so Drake is is still trying to find a position. Garrett, Detroit with the Pistons. Okay, Garrett is is at a team, but Drake has performed on court with you. Yes, yes, many times. Your kid, like mine, grew up performing since a young age. Yes, I have a I have a video of Drake on the court with me, two weeks old. In fact, we did one of those side by side pictures the other day where he was all grown up. Drake, this question's for you. Do you ever feel like you were born into like a circus family? Like, <laughs> like, ah oh, man, this guy's making me work for my meal. <laughs> like. You get to eat this week if you perform this skit. <laughs> uh, it definitely feels like that. <laughs> uh, being on the court, I, I remember we were, I was in middle school, and we had the first dunk team at, for the team. And <laughs> we were definitely not getting paid for that, but we did it for a couple of years. And, and yeah, so it was uh, dunking with the mascots. It was always fun. Yeah, I had a boss when I left the Rockets. I was the director of marketing on a contract basis along with several other clients at the Sam Houston Race Park. And I would have my boys come in and do skits. And he asked me, he brought up about child labor laws. And I was like, eh, these are my <laughs> kids. They do what I tell them, all right? They're not right. Their payment is already well above minimum wage in, in the – the I, I square footage of the house, and then I amateurized it, or you know, prorated it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time, one of my favorite bits was uh, musical chairs, and I just yeah. abused the kids. You know, yeah. just get off yeah. the chair and shove them and everything. One time, you know, my youngest, he was there, he was playing with us, and and, and uh, he lost. And as he's walking away from the chairs, I just walked right up behind him and just shoved him. Right, right down on his stomach and everything and the crowd was like boo oh my god i mean they about came apart and uh after the game not even after the game during the game third quarter yeah third quarter my boss was in there going whose kid was that and it wasn't like it wasn't like my boss it was the boss right he had, you're like he had fired in there the ceo came in and he's like what was that? I'm like, that's my kid. That's mine. <laughs> He's like, all right. All right. You sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> Unless there's something I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you double back to him. You know, now that you mention it, there always was something different about that one. From the other two. That one looks a little different. Excellent. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, using using my kids was great. Uh, so Drake, tell them another like tell them another skit you were in that that uh, was probably not one of your favorites. Kind of like you were compelled to do it. Yes. I remember walking around and doing the construction guy, or the construction boy uh, skit, where you walk around and, and hold the signs up. I remember at the end. You know what tells to kick the ref, and I always felt terrible about that. I don't know why it felt wrong. <laughs> kick him as hard as you can, all right, kick him in the shin and, and walk off. Uh, I just remember doing that. I always felt bad about 
that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you brought that skit up. That I stole from Robert. That was a Robert bit. Um, and you know what? I stole it from the original Benny the Bull from uh, Dan Lamont. Oh, no way. Yeah, you know. Oh, I think we were yeah, talking about him the other day on the podcast. Yeah, I, I got that one from him. I saw that from him doing that way back in the day. Um, man, there's a couple I had out there that were originals, but not that one. <laughs> but that was uh, a great thing we were talking about, borrowing from each other. Right. You know, because right. everybody that watches it in Denver thinks, I mean, everybody that watches it in Denver or Houston or Utah or Philly or whatever city your mascot's from, you know, they think that mascot created it. So, yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, so I, I we have your son here on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so I, I got a question for you. Give me yeah. a near death. Do you, have you had a near death? Yeah, one. Um, it was uh, doing a wrestling. I wouldn't uh, near death. Uh, you know, I've injured my neck twice. You know, who knows there, and I can still crack it. Um, those were some acute injuries, but one time we were doing a wrestling skit. I was doing it with, with, uh, Miguel Vargas, who was then Sly the Fox in New Jersey. And it was supposed to be like, I knock him out, put him on one of those Granger, uh, eight foot tables, uh, and then pull the mini tramp back out, hit the mini tramp, fly 10 feet forward, you know, kind of out like, you know, spread Eagle, fly, snook up and land on and break on the table. But we accidentally didn't have the equipment set up right, not blaming anybody. <clears throat> Dominic Davila went over in rehearsal, uh, and he had the uh, table set up right against the tramp, against the mini tramp. And at the other end of the court, through the screen and the vision and clutch isn't the greatest, I don't have that kind of depth perception. And I was never a gymnast by trade, so... You know, anything that I did, I picked up along the way in an amateur way that wasn't comedy or sketch, the, the physical stuff. And I hit that tramp. And the second my feet are hitting it, I'm like, oh, shoot, that table's not 10 feet out. It's right there. So I dive down to try to save the bit, land completely inverted upside down on my head. Thank God Clutch's head is big and bulbous because a lot of the foam absorbed it, caving in, and but it pendulumed me around, and I hit my lower back on the floor so hard that uh, my whole right leg went uh, numb, and I couldn't, uh, I tried to get up, save the bit. Everybody knew that was a screw-up. There was no, everybody in the building knew that that's not how that bit was supposed to go, and there was an ooh, and not in a good way. Uh, and I dropped an elbow. I got up, dropped like the people's elbow from the rock on to Sly. And then I tried to jump back up and walk off the court, but I didn't get off. I collapsed. My leg gave out and they had to drag me off. Uh, that, that's probably the biggest injury that I've had. Oh, wow. And then I missed a game or two. And, you know, uh, you, you've had your fair share of injuries, though. You broke your back once. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if I've told that one, uh, gosh, in a long time, but yeah, I, it was very similar, but I was going over, I was going to dunk over eight dancers, eight cheerleaders, whatever they were at the time. But as I ran down the court and I hit the trampoline, this was yeah. in a preseason game. So I don't know why we were, you know, dunking at a preseason game. Cause 
those we usually just slide through. But anyways, I uh, was dunking at a preseason game, hit that trampoline, and the trampoline slid. And so oh, no. it changed my trajectory. And instead of going up and out and over and all that, it just shot me pretty much straight up. And I just remember looking down at the dancers going, oh, I can't hit them. Like, so I kind of like threw my shoulder back and tried to, you know, curve and twist. Curve and and go sideways. Yeah. Well, I came down and I hit, the, I, I landed on the mat, but it was only my head and shoulders. And I was at an angle at that point. So my head and shoulders hit the mat, but spun me. It just like whipped me to the floor. So my lower back actually hit the, hit the hardwood. Yeah. And just. <laughs> I hit so hard. I actually kind of bounced up on onto my feet a little bit. And so my knees were still bent and everything, but I, I kind of got up and just fell. And yeah. at that point, stagehands grabbed my shoulders and stood me up. Like, cause I, I was laying there and I'm like, ha ha, you know, you, we know you wrecked, but they didn't know what I'd gotten. I had gotten hurt. Right. People forget there's a person in there sometimes and think we're just big stuffed animals that you can throw across the room. And yeah. <laughs> there's a body with muscles and nerves and bones that break. <laughs> right. So I fell again and they picked me up again. And I'm like, okay, this time I can keep my balance. So as I'm walking, I, I, I am walking at this point. My back is broken, but it's so like wiggly. It's just, I, I'm trying, I'm actually balancing on my spine. And as I'm walking off the court, this little girl sitting courtside, it's like, hey, and punches me right in the nose. I mean, and, and like, like, like one of those slow motion Rocky movie punches, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, that hurts so bad. I just want to punch you back. And if then, there's ever an opportunity or a reason to punch a little girl, it's now. Now. <laughs> So I stayed up though, as I stayed up, I'm walking, I'm like, I gotta exit, I gotta get out of here. I can't be, you know, pulled off of there and and I, I can't interrupt the game or whatever. So I'm, I'm trying to get my, make my way out, the, you know, to the curtain. And uh, as I'm walking out, I catch a, um, a railing with my sleeve. Oh man. So this time I actually spin all the way around. Like I walk in a circle, like trying to not mm -hmm. fall down and make it to the curtain, get through the curtain, make it to a doorway behind the curtain in the, in the tunnel there and held on as I just kind of. Almost like a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just collapsed right there. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember that being kind of like a pivotal moment because we all started taping the bottom of our legs in yep, the, uh, uh, the trampoline. Yeah, on the trampolines, we would tape the bottoms so that uh, they wouldn't uh, move or anything like that. Yeah. You had another one where you were completely passed out while uh, descending, right? Yeah. Got choked <laughs> out. Night. I got choked out opening night. Choked out. We have, I have a lot of interesting opening night stories, um, one involving an arrest. But anyways, um, this one was... <laughs> <laughs> I got choked. I got choked. <laughs> I got choked over the top. And, and afterwards, everybody's like, you know, oh man, he must have been drunk or he passed out because he was scared or something like that. I'm like, man, I just got choked. <laughs> so, yeah, full on choke oh, out. God. So, that was, that hey, was not wait, a good moment either. I just got an idea. Okay. Uh, you have uh, your son here on the call. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I've been working on during this pandemic is a website um, called radicaldadding.com. And it's basically uh, all, and it's not for money or anything like that. Uh, at the most, it's a way for me to kind of have an online uh, family photo album with video as well, you know, kind of collating all of our stories between me and my two twins. Um, and I totally love doing it. It's like becoming a hobby and an obsession hobby where I document some of this stuff and, uh, you know, have the social sites. Um, but I have all four of my kids here. Could they come on the, the uh, call real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys. Jack, Luke. Jack, Luke. They're like, dad's calling hide. Hide. I, again. I asked him, I said, hey, do I yell a lot? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, I, do I seem mad? And they're like, no, you just yell. Hey, can you guys come here? You're going to jump on this uh, call with me and we're going to show everybody our tree. Just come on, leave it on for a second, Luke. Just let it play, Luke. This is a live stream. Come on out here. Come here. Let's show Stop. everybody. Stop playing with fire. <laughs> come on in here, Bailey. Stop lighting the cat on fire. This is Brooklyn. What's Brooklyn. Bailey. 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 Luke. Jack. And Jack. So Luke these are my Jack. two sets of twins. And right behind us, can you tell me what we have, Brooklyn, behind us? A tree. A tree. What kind of tree is it? A green tree. A green tree. So is it just a Christmas tree? No. No. Show him. He can see it. He sees I see all, it. all the St. Patrick's Day stuff. So you want to tell them what it is, Jack? Luke. Right, but we call it our holiday tree, right? Mm -hmm. So what was it before it was our St. Patrick's Day tree? Valentine's. Don't sound too excited, guys. <laughs> our Valentine's Day tree. And before that Christmas, and after uh, St. Patrick, what's it going to be? No, not Earth Day. Nobody cares about Earth Day. <laughs> oh, great. Now I'm going to have all the tree huggers after me. No. Easter. It's going to be our Easter tree with Easter eggs colored and bunnies. And then after that, do you remember? Remember, it's the easier one because we leave it the same for five months. Summer tree. What do you mean summer tree? No. That's it. No dinner for you guys tonight. No. Remember America because we got Memorial Day and then we got Labor, uh, we got July 4th and then Labor Day. And then after Labor Day, we switched from red, white, and blue back to Halloween and then Thanksgiving, and then back to Christmas. So we don't leave it up every year, but we leave it up every couple years and we decorate it all year long to the holiday. It's a great idea. My Christmas tree is still up. I'm about to put that into a St. Patrick's Day tree. There you go. It's an excuse. I think that's how it originally started. Like I said, we don't do it every year because we want it to be special, but I think the original year um, <laughs> it was because like, man, it's February. We still haven't taken down the tree yet. Hey, throw some hearts on that thing and make it a Valentine's Day tree, but we don't have to take it down. <laughs> see, that's the, see, okay. Now you don't have a wife right now. No, I do not. So I, that's I, why, I, I, that's I, I, another reason why I, I, you still I, 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 have a tree up. <laughs> that's how that's how you can pull it off yeah 
Most wives are like, we got to get the tree out of here. Let's go. Yeah. We'd have our trip on Mars, man. That's probably true. That's probably true. Although when this tradition started, I did have a wife. Oh, okay. It might have even been her idea. So, um, you know, but there you go. Who knows? She also thought it was a good idea to marry me. So, you know, let's not trust her judgment too much. She ain't all there. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for week. having me on, Kenny. Uh, it's great to friend. talk to you too, Jake. Yeah. Uh, you guys keep killing it uh, in the mascot world. I know you got your gyms and uh, your other businesses, your tramp parks. Uh, you're diversifying. Um, I'm so I'm just happy that we're still friends and this close of friends after this long. It's been 25 years now that, you know, since I met you in 95. Uh, so 26 years. So keep hey, on. Uh, can I, can I bring up one other thing real quick? Yeah, yeah. So Drake, I believe actually wore your costume one time and he said it was literally the worst costume he'd ever been in. Worst vision and worst smelling. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, Undoubtedly, because it's got my sweat and gunk in there. But yes, he pinched it for me when I had a 103 degree fever and there was an Indianapolis Pacers game and he had to stand in because the ticket was already bought and uh, they already put clutch on the poster. So it was, I think, one of five times out of 6,000 appearances and 1,500 games, I had somebody else in the costume, and it was an easy decision to trust another NBA mascot's uh, son to do it. Thank you for that. <laughs> we were at dinner because we had, like, back-to-back uh, birthday parties to go to. We were in uh, – Yeah, you were in Houston. Yeah, we were in Houston, and I was, like, coming down with it. I was feeling horrible. Yeah, I remember that. It was uh, the hardest time I've ever had dunking in my life <laughs> is wearing that costume. But it was it was a good experience. I loved it. We went straight to uh, Pacers and, and did another game and hopped in there. Right on. Clutch was a little bit shorter that day, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, but right you know on. what? Yeah, it was. That was one of my little traditions with my boys was taking them around uh, whenever I went to birthday parties and yeah, stuff I remember. Like that. So I remember I, several of them. Yep, you guys were always and have been all you know from day one very gracious and understanding and accepting and and entertaining for my boys so yeah thank you some of our best friends growing up it was great uh thanks for saying that drake it it was always special to see you guys tagging along with your pop all right well thanks for having me on uh never ever forget that i am a shameless self-promoter visit spearminerals.com yep visit robertbodwin.com b as in boy <laughs> o-u-d as in david w-i-n and visit radical dadding like it's the act of doing something dadding radical dadding.com thank yes. you share, Super share subscribe all that stuff thanks for being on here robert yo mom that took long enough just picked up some bands, come and come again, come again. They do what I do, I'm like Simon says. Yeah, I'm the running man, rapping rubber bands, rubber bands. They do what I do, I'm like Simon says. Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego Chicken. 
<laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over a 1,000 mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. 